1: You're just fooling yourself. You think you're a Christian, and there's other Christians that you hate, that you just wish were out of your life. What did Jesus say? They'll know you're my disciples. What? By your putting up with one another. Is that what he said? No. He said, by your love, one for another. John says, if you say you're in the light and you hate your brother, man, you're still in darkness because he who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Can I say that I'm following Christ and have hate for my brother? No.
0: Pastor David urges us to avoid being porcupine Christians. By this he means Christians who are supposed to be filled with God's love, yet their actions are destructive towards others and themselves. Are you walking in God's light, keeping His commands and loving others? If not, our actions may be pushing others away rather than demonstrating the love of God. A real experience with the transforming love of God will begin a change in you that enables you to obey God and live for Him. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, Porcupine Christians.
1: And even some of the Corinthians were boasting that the power of God was working and was evident in them, but apparently not in the Apostle Paul. After all, the Apostle Paul hasn't come. He's left. We're the ones. We see God working in us. And, you know, Paul, again, he gives these small little words. There's nothing really powerful about him. But here Paul says, that's okay. That's okay. They can say all they want to but we'll see who the power of God is working in when I get there. And we'll deal with this situation when I get there. That apostolic call on Paul uh, and on his life is going to make a difference when he gets to Corinth. He's not going to be working in the flesh. He's going to be dealing with them in the power of the Holy Spirit. These false teachers, those that continue to to live false and and live in in the flesh in their lives, they're going to be revealed And they're going to be dealt with. And he's telling them, it's time to get serious about your relationship with Christ. You call yourself a believer, and yet look at the way that you're living. Are you truly living in the way that the world around you can look and see? They're different. They're different. Are we living Christ before the world? He calls them to take nothing for granted. You say you said a little prayer back when you were in fifth grade. That's great. But tell me now, where are you in Christ? You said at the end of a big campaign or a group of revival meetings, you went forward and and repeated a prayer after someone. That's great. But tell me, where's your life right now? That's what we need to do. Look what he says there in verse 5 of chapter 13. And again, he's speaking to the church. He's speaking to you and I. He says, examine yourselves as to whether or not you are in the faith. He says, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. There's no doubt that a lot of the problems, in fact, probably most of the problems there in Corinth stemmed from this attitude and this action of, of some that professed to be believers, and in, yet in reality, they weren't. Paul challenged them to examine themselves, to see if they were really and truly born again. And beloved, we have that same problem within the church today. People that come through church doors, people that sit in Bible studies. And, and I'm not so naive as to not realize it, even in situations here tonight. Some that have at one point in time in their life have maybe said a prayer or made a commitment, but yet there was never any real true follow through. There was never any real growth going on in their life. Or maybe it's someone who has just simply decided, well, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna live my old life. I wanna start living like Christians live. And so they come and, They walk through the church door and they put upon themselves the mantle of a Christian and they say, I now are one. Okay. Bad English, but good theology. Okay. Just because you're in the church doesn't make you a Christian. And I believe that that was happening in Corinth. And yeah, I believe it happens today just as easily. Because again, if people come into a place where the Word of God isn't solidly taught, if repentance, isn't called for within people's lives, then how easy it is to come and to sit week after week after week and say, yes, I'm a Christian. I just don't let it affect the rest of my life. How about that examination? How does one go about examining themselves? Now, we could judge ourselves according to the world's standards, and we could look around and say, well, I'm better than he is, so I must be okay. I don't do all the old things I used to do, so I'm much better now, so I must be a Christian. We could judge by the world's standards and think that we're okay. But that's not the standard that God gives us. Why? We could even judge ourselves by religious standards. And we could see that, hey, you know, I attend church. And hey, I tithe. Well, okay, I, I give every once in a while. Well, okay, I've given some in the past to the church. Why, I even served now and then at the church. We can judge ourselves on religious standards and think we're okay. That's not the standards that God gives. We can even look and step up and look at the list really that Paul had given to us there in the book of Galatians. We referred to it earlier, those fruits of the Spirit. We can look at our lives and say, well, do I have the fruit of the Spirit living and growing in me? Is there love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control? Do I see these things? Well, yeah, sort of, kind of. You know, here and there depends upon the day and who I'm dealing with. And we can kind of look and judge on kind of a, a, a the bell curve and say, okay, well, sort of, kind of, I got you know enough of these. I may not have enough of those, but the ones that I have for this make up for those, and so I must be okay. But beloved, that's not even the standard. When we go to the full Word of God, there's many things that very make very, very evident as to whether or not we as individuals or a true child of God, we're not. John, in his first epistle, he writes to the believers. He says, I'm writing these things in order that you might know that you're a believer. He writes in First John chapter 5, verse 12, he says, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And his letter, again, that's an encouragement. You say you believe in the Son of God. That's great. But, beloved, it's more than just a confession, it's more than just a declaration. It is a life that's changed. Jesus was was so adamant about it when he spoke to a religious man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a good guy. Yeah, he was a Pharisee, but he was one of the good ones. That's why he had to sneak in and speak to Jesus at night because, again, it was so different than all the rest. And Jesus told him, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. There's a dynamic change that has to take place in our lives. We, we look, and again, with, with what John writes in his letter, he gives us some pretty clear guidelines. It's, it's not just those couple of verses that I read earlier, but throughout his letter, he gives some really clear guidelines as to who is a believer and who is not. So are you ready for a pop quiz? You got a piece of paper, you could take it out and number it from 1 to 15, okay? We're going to look at some things. Think about it yourself. Judge for yourself. I'm not going to look at your scores. I'm not even going to have you exchange your papers with the person sitting next to you. This is between you and God. If we look at this, we need to bear in mind that this is just one test of really many that we could take. But I do believe that it's one that will help us to examine ourselves. Even as I was studying this, and even as I was writing this down, I'm thinking, oh Lord, wow, where do I stand in this? And you got to understand too that some of these questions, are going to sound very much the same, but it's just like most tests that you take. They ask the same question in a different way to see if you answer it the same, okay? Really and truly, you can score yourself in a range of zero to five. A score of zero, being very far from the Lord. Score of five, being, hey, you know, I got this one. This is fine. I'm doing well here. Think about this. First one. 1 John 1, verse 6. John writes, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, guess what? We lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Remember, as you are keeping your score, five says, hey, I've got that one down. I'm not walking in darkness. I'm practicing the truth. Zero says, no, man, I'm still in darkness and I don't practice the truth. And then where are you in the midst of that? Zero to five. First John chapter 2, verse 3. This is the second point. John writes, now by this we know that we know him. How? If we keep his commandments. He who says that I know him and doesn't keep his commandments, guess what he is? He's a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this, we know that we are in him. Where do you score in that? When a statement like that is made, do you just read through it? Or do you look and do a a personal check? Third one, still in John 2, and he's got a lot of them in here. John writes, he who says that he's in the light and yet hates his brother. He who says he's in the light, and yet hates his brother, is in darkness until now. So in other words, he said, you're just fooling yourself. You think you're a Christian, and there's other Christians that you hate, that you just wish were out of your life. What did Jesus say? They'll know you're my disciples. What? By your putting up with one another. Is that what he said? No. He said, by your love, one for another. John says, if you say you're in the light and you hate your brother, man, you're still in darkness. Because he who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Can I say that I'm following Christ and have hate for my brother? No, because I'm blinded. I don't know where Christ is leading me. How easy is the test so far, church? Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. Number four. Still First John chapter 2, verse 15. He said, don't love the world or the things of the world. Because if anyone loves the world, guess what? The love of the Father is not in him. Zero to five. How much does the world have a hold of you? Zero mean it's got you, lock, stock, and barrel. Five says, man, I've given up the things of this world. I am His and His only. The fifth one, this is verse 28, chapter 2. John writes, and now, little children, abide in Him that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, You know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. What he's saying is if you're born again, you're living your life in righteousness. Zero to five? Hmm. Then he moves on to chapter three of 1 John. This is verse six. Whoever abides in him, guess what? Does not sin. Whoa! Wait a second. Does not sin. Let me finish this. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Now we could go into a study on this. By what does he mean, man? I, I sin today. I, I know what I did. Does that mean that I don't know Christ? What he's speaking about is this habitual practice of man. This is just, I'm just going to live my life according to this world. And I don't really care about righteousness. Because he goes on to say, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. And a little later in that same chapter comes number seven. Number seven, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. This is how you know the difference between a child of God and the child of the devil. Or should I say the child of, the, of God and the child of the devil? I don't want anybody feeling that I'm picking on you. Okay, how do we know the difference between the child of God and the child of, of the devil? In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice, live out, practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he... Who does not love his brother? Oh, we're back to that one again. Do you think that's kind of an important thing for you and I as a believer? I think so. We've been forgiven so much. How could we not forgive another? Number eight. There's 15 of these. Hang in there with me. is verse 14. We know know that we pass from death to life. Why? Again, because we love the brethren. Because we love the brother. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Zero to five. Number nine is verse 17. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? That's what John writes. It says, "My little children, let us not love in word or in deed, but in de- or word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before Him. How do I know that I know God? Because the stuff that I have, God has me as a steward of." When I see needs, I have a giving heart. Child of God doesn't have a selfish heart. Child of God has to have a giving heart. Why? Because you have the heart of God, and the heart of God is a giving heart. Uh, Number 10 is from 1 John 4. Verse 20, he says, If someone says, I love God, oh, here it is again, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Now, listen, I admit, that, that test in First John is difficult. There, I mean, you look at that and you think, wow, I'm not scoring as good as I would really like to score there. So let's look someplace else and see if there's a, another book that we can look at and hopefully maybe get our scores a little bit better, Okay. So let's look at the book of James. Is that a great one? Okay, James one. This is question number eleven, by the way. James one, verse twenty-two. He says, "Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves." What does he mean deceiving yourselves? Well, I listen to the word all the time. I must be a Christian. I go to Bible study all the time. I've got you know G on my radio all the time. I'm listening to it all the time. All the time I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. But I'm not doing any of it. You're deceiving yourself. The twelfth question, verse 26 of James 1. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, you're deceiving your own heart. And your religion is useless. Ooh, how's your tongue? zero to five, okay? Zero to five. James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works? Can faith save him? I trusted in Jesus Christ. I prayed. I have faith that God saved me from my sin. Okay, is your life showing it? Now, it's not the works that save you. We understand that. But if you are saved, Your life will show that. It'll be a demonstration of that. James tells us, can faith save him? Not that kind of faith. It's just a vocal faith. It's got to be a faith that changes a life. In the same realm, he says, also faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, it's dead. Beloved, we can puppet the words all day long of the prayer that's at the end of a, a track or repeat after me this prayer. And we can do that all day long, every day for the rest of our lives and still not be born again because it's not impacting us from the inside. that's what James is concerned about. That's what John was concerned about. That's what Paul is concerned about. And that's what I'm concerned about. But above all of that, that's what Christ is concerned about for each of us. Going on a couple of more. Uh, This is a Question number 14, if you're keeping score. Verse 19, still in uh, James 2. You believe that there's one God? Oh, you do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. Oh, I believe in God. God. What's it doing in your life? How's it changing your life? But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works, again, he says, is dead? Last question. James 4, verse 4. By the way, you need to understand he's writing to the church here. He's not writing to the world, he's writing to the church in all of these. Because in James 4, verse 4, he begins out Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of this world makes himself an enemy. Of God. Zero to five. Are you a friend of God or zero? You're a friend of the world. I think 15 questions is enough for tonight. Total up your score. If you gave yourself a five in each one of these questions, you'd have a total of 75 points. Ain't nobody getting a hundred, okay? Just want to let you know you do not score, we cannot score a hundred in this quiz. And I think if we're honest, no one scored 75. The lowest score you could receive is zero. So the question is, you think we ought to grade on a curve? We'll just kind of go around the room, what's your score, what's your score, and see, okay, well, most of the scores are this, so those must be the Christians. You know what? The Lord doesn't grade on a curve. You either is or you ain't. Again, bad English, but good theology.
0: That's all the time we have for today on The Open Word. We hope today's message has touched you. Pastor David Landry will continue teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians on the next edition of The Open Word. But right now, we'd like to share how you can hear more from Pastor David. Just visit theopenword.com and click on Teachings to hear or download past messages. You can also get in contact with us with any questions you might have or let us know how we can be praying for you on your faith journey. You can also connect with us on Facebook, We're thankful that you've listened to today's message, but want to make sure that this isn't your only source of spiritual nurturing. We encourage you to find a church family who will help you grow in your walk with God. If you live in or are visiting the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has an invitation just for
1: you. Hey, thanks, Chris. I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Word of God. We meet Saturday nights at 6.30, Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m., and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can find our address and our directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links at the bottom of the page to our church website. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But be sure to tune
0: in next time for another edition of The Open Word.